Welcome to the Sam Dean Podcast, where we talk about life uncensored. Today on the show, we have Chris Marholtz. He's a veteran. He knows a lot about the VA and can help other people. Uh, listen to his story today, and I hope you enjoy it. Reach out to me if you need to get in contact with him or reach out to him directly. Our show is sponsored, as always, by Van Zant Coffee. Order online at www.vanzantcoffee.com. Help support small business. We got some employees, man. Anyway, thank you guys so much. You can find us at a lot of local coffee shops who support us, who use our coffee beans. You can come into our location in Athens and look at the roaster and buy pounds of coffee for the house. Anyway, we love it. We really do have great coffee. It's the best in the world. Thank you guys for listening also to this podcast. A lot of people listen to this podcast, man. It's overwhelming. So thank you guys for uh, listening. And here's Chris. This, is a, this, this show means a lot to me. So Chris Marholtz, everybody. All right. Today on the show, Chris, welcome. Hey, Sam. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Your last name's Marholtz. Marholtz. Yeah. What yeah. is that? A you know, it's a, I believe it's like a German thing, but it came from like uh, when we did like research on it. It was like Mar means wood. <laughs> Holtz is something completely different. It's like a Dutch thing, so it's like German Dutch came together in Ellis Island. Oh wow! You <laughs> tracked it all the way back to Ellis Island. Yeah, but it was it was separated, so we don't know how you know hmm. realistic that could be. You know. I think Dean is German. I've never, I'm terrified to do a 23 and me or something, you know, like <laughs> it's going to change, it's going to change all my history and I'm going to have to take down my kilt and <laughs> right. get canceled. For uh, sure. Wow. Well, welcome man. And you're a veteran. I am. I am along with yeah. you. Yeah. Well, yep. That's, uh, I mean, that's how we met, you know, we just had to kind of reach yeah. out to each other, but we haven't really sat down and got to know each other very well. When you're a veteran and, uh, or a young veteran anyway, which I classify us as young veterans. Yeah, still, well, they and, definitely uh, have the VFW they do. Yeah. They're still, don't let <laughs> it, they still don't like let us in, you know, who the fuck are you? Get out of here, kids. You don't know what war is. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, dude, you were like a mailman. <laughs> Uh, or a lawyer. <laughs> I get a lot of veterans, like, you know, we had, a, when I ran for Congress, there was a guy named Kenneth Sheets. Nice guy, man. He ran for Congress. He, he ran against me from Dallas. He was in the Marines or the Army, but he was a lawyer in the Marines or the Army. And, uh, you know, before I entered the race, he was like, we, we nicknamed him Rambo Sheets because, like, he was, like, telling the war stories and stuff. Yeah. And it was like, dude, you were... A lawyer, like I didn't see a lawyer. I that was the brother of, because I think I met him. He had a he had a flight jacket on all the time. Uh, I don't probably he probably had a bandolier of ammo on. <laughs> yeah, I know who you're talking uh, about. But no, he he's actually a nice guy. But you know his his campaign was kind of like, yeah, I'm a veteran. You know, which actually he is a veteran. And nothing against lawyers that are veterans, but uh, I never saw a lawyer in the military. Like, I've ne literally never, s you know, you did. One time. <laughs> okay, we'll talk about <laughs> we'll talk it. We'll talk about that later. Where'd you, where'd you uh, where are you from? Like, where'd you? Oh, I was born in Chicago, and I just kind of, I'm kind of a geographical mutt. Yeah. <laughs> like, born in Chicago, and we moved up to Wisconsin. 
Wait, wait, and then why? We, like what? Man, my dad was a carny. It felt like right. Well, he wasn't a carny. He was just a bar owner. Yeah. You know, and one bar would fail, and we'd move to another state, and then mm-hmm. that would fail, and taxes would come after him. He wasn't a good guy. And then we ended up, you know, piling in the back of a '71 Cadillac and drove from Wisconsin down to Florida mm-hmm. with the entire family and a dog. You like brothers and sisters and stuff. Uh, yeah, yeah, two brothers, two sisters. I mean, we're we're loaded down. Well, actually, sorry, stepsister. So that would be two brothers and one sister. And yeah. you're Chicago, Wisconsin. What was the, what was it like seeing Florida for the first time? You know, uh, you, you you get there, <laughs> and then we went to the first rest area we could get in. I think it was somewhere in Pensacola or something like that. Mm-hmm. And the first thing you do is like look out the door for rattlesnakes. Like you hear all the stories, right? And then mom and dad are just like, don't wander off because there's quicksand everywhere (laughs) you know what i mean as lame as that story sounds remember like i used to be have a healthy fear of quicksand yeah i've never seen it never seen it man (laughs) never seen it what there was a couple of shows macgyver or something on tv where there was this quicksand scene where a lot of people got swallowed up and that never happened princess bride princess bride that's yeah <laughs> that princess was a, bride was, was one a, that was a great one and then indiana jones yeah the crystal skull thing and oh. i mean quicksand's a staple in the movies <laughs> yeah. right but it just doesn't exist i uh f- kind of funny story on top of that was uh i remember getting in trouble and uh, you know at that rest area and i darted off into the woods yeah and my mom was behind me screaming her lungs out to, for me to stop because yeah. I was going to step into either on a, on a, a diamondback rattler. Yeah. Which everybody said they're all over the place. And then the, then the, uh, uh, the quicksand, you know what I mean? And then I got an ass whooping like Gosh. I've never had before because she thought she was going to lose her son. <laughs> Don't go near the quicksand, Chris. Then it just turns out, you know, Florida is just really, well, back then it's just, it's just a bunch of carnival people and old people. <laughs> yeah. And we lived in a carny town as sad as that was. I couldn't wait to get out of there. Lots of, uh, New Yorkers. Yeah, yeah. Now, I mean, of course, yeah, the demographics completely changed. A lot yeah. of uh, New Yorkers and uh, retired Jewish folks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they love the weather. Yeah, not a bad <laughs> – I mean, I like Flor- – I mean, obviously, I love Pensacola. There was a – Ashley and George and I r- drove to uh, Disneyland, Disney World, in our RV, and we just so happened to f- stop at Pensacola, and there was an – RV resort like right on the water it was like rocky there was like a bar on the beach like your own private and like if, if I ever like if we ever finally retire and like can live like I would love to just live there for a half a year and snorkel and like man it was beautiful it was great you know I was living there full time when I was in my early up to up before I went in the Marines I was like 18 and I couldn't wait to leave Mm-hmm. Um, and we lived down there for a short spell, me and Amanda, my wife, and, uh, we didn't, we stayed there for, I want to say five years. Mm-hmm. Um, we couldn't wait to leave, get back to Texas. And then now I just, I, same dream, man. I would love to, I think, especially in that Pensacola area where yeah. it's a little bit less, uh, touristy. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of military folks around there. Right. A lot of bases. Yeah. You know, Ranger school is down there. Eglin air force base. SAR school was down there. Yeah. I remember in, uh, you know, Ranger School. So I started Ranger School in 2007 in January in Fort Benning, and it was cold. Man, it was like started at 3 a.m., raining. You know, the worst 
worst conditions, PT tests and then whatever. Did the binning phase, then we went on to mountain, like northern Georgia, and it was like ice, snow everywhere, freezing. My hands were all split. And then we finally got on like the third phase, swamp phase, got on a C-130 and jumped into Florida. Awesome. And as soon as I hit the ground, I just laid there because <laughs> the sun was shining for the first time on my skin. And I was like, for the first time in like two months, I'm not cold. And I'm like, Florida's great. Vitamin D overdose. <laughs> yeah. like, Florida is the shit. Like, it's awesome. And uh, the only time I got cold, we had to cross the Yellow River. We had to get on a rope bridge or hook into a rope with our rucksacks and walk across this river. And that bastard was cold. But other than that, it was Florida was a breeze, man. That was the easiest part of ranger school. And in anyway, just because the weather was nice. We had to do the brief uh, search and rescue as I was air crew for a while. It's mm-hmm. like an extra added M- to onto my MOS, right? Mm-hmm. And we had to go down there for search and rescue. Um, and it's basically what they, they treat you like you've been. It's like a GI Jane, right? Yeah. <laughs> they they capture you and they treat, yeah. they torture you and all that stuff. Uh-huh. But the, the the coolest part is, you know, the dunk tank and, you know, going underwater and, you know, uh, being rescued out of the water and mm-hmm. all that other great stuff. That was cool. I enjoyed oh, that. Oh, wow. That was my favorite part. So when, why did you go in the Marine Corps? Man, you know, I think my mom, my mom went through two vets, <laughs> You know, she got divorced. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them, uh, uh, he was just this awesome guy, man. And he was just always like, this is how you take somebody's trachea out. And he was uh, <laughs> he's like a Ram- Viet- yeah. Rambo, basically. Yeah. He was a Vietnam vet, an Army dude. No, a Marine. Um, and, and, he, man, he just talked about the Marine Corps all the time. And I think that just planted the seed. And then, of course, seeing a uh, full metal jacket locked it all in. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, then yeah, she met another guy who was also uh, a Marine, and he ended up committing suicide. Oh. That was kind of brutal. Uh, but, yeah, my mom was kind of collecting vets, and they just influenced me when I was really young. It's funny you say, like, Full Metal Jacket. In, like, that movie scared the crap out of me. Like, <laughs> you know, I hated that movie just because it wasn't, like, rant. It, wasn't, it didn't have a happy ending, I don't think. <laughs> no, yeah, it was no. like, like, Platoon doesn't have a happy ending either. I just felt like I, you know, I was really kind of a waste. Um, I was dropout of uh, high school, and I just mm-hmm. needed to do something significant. You know what yeah. I mean? So, uh, it, and uh, you know, I kind of wish I, I really would have known more about like special forces and stuff like that because I really wish I would have did that. But um, yeah, but Marine Corps was just—it seemed like the I was actually in the Army recruiting mm-hmm. station, and like they took me through MEPS and all this other stuff. I mean, they buttered me up yeah. all the way oh you're a dropout no worries we'll get you in we'll get you in on my way out the door um you know after maps um i left the the army recruiting office and i you know kind of passed this door that was it had a awesome you know gold marine corps emblem on the door i'm like well that's that's sharp right mm-hmm. um and it didn't look like an office at all it was like it had camouflage all over the place and so i poked my head in there and i immediately got barked at like what do you want <laughs> I was just, and I'm, I'm acting like I'm on a job interview. I'm like, yeah. you know, I was just curious about, you know, uh, what you guys do here. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. I'm like, this is where I want to be. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. that, that dude kicking me out of the office just like cemented me. I'm like, that's yeah. who I want to be. I don't want to be, you know, Johnny over there. He, like a staff sergeant. Yeah. He's like, no, oh, just call me Johnny. Yeah, don't worry about it. Yeah. This guy was like, Get the fuck out of my office. <laughs> and then you let. 
you went back out, did he chase, kind of chase you back out and say, no, no, come in here? This is, no, no, no. This is the hardest part is because I had to – I had I literally made up my mind right then. I am going in the Marine Corps, yeah. right? Okay. So I did come – I came back on my own because I'm like, I dropped my number off. He never called me. So yeah. now, now I'm like feeling like butthurt, like sad. Yeah. Nobody wants me. Is this uh, the same thing you do like with girlfriends and boyfriends? Like, is this the same yeah. like – you know, people say to – if you really want a girl to like you, you got to treat her bad first. I, yeah. ne- I never could. That's ma- probably I never, ma- I never mastered that, but uh, I never did either. I, I always saw it. Like yeah. I could see people doing it. Yeah. I was just never good at okay, it. Okay. So he was right? doing this to you. Okay. He was definitely doing that to yeah. me, but okay. I didn't recognize it. I was just like, damn, I want, damn it. I'm going back in there. So I did. I went back in like a week later, you know, my, my departure date for army boot camp was like only a month away. Mm-hmm. And I, I go in there and I'm like, I, you know, maybe we got on the, the wrong foot, but I'm really interested in getting the Marine Corps. And I, 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 I pulled up my man boots yeah. and mm-hmm. used my man voice and I was like, well, have a seat. Um, and then he goes, uh, so tell me about your education. I was like, well, you know, I dropped out. Get it the fuck out of here. <laughs> I'm like, I'm being kicked out again. This is really happening. He's like, you come back to me when you got at least 12 college credits. I, and I, I, I that day I went right down to, uh, Pasco Hernando Community College. It's right there in, you know, the Tampa side. Um, and spent a year. Uh, and of course, I had to call the Army guy and be like, oh, you know, I'm not, I'm not interested anymore. Yeah. He kept calling, he kept calling, just didn't right. work. But uh, yeah, I'm like, I'm not interested anymore. And I just, I spent a year in college and got, got all my credits back up and proudly walked in there. I was like, I'm ready. And uh, he, uh, I was off to boot camp. And like two weeks after that, I never even really talked to the recruiter. I don't even remember his name. You know, most guys remember the recruiter and all that stuff yeah. and how the recruiter fucked me. And sounds I, I like, I don't remember. It sounds like this guy is probably the best recruiter. Absolutely. Uh, in the smart Marines. Dude. Yeah. yeah. I mean, just dude. completely got you in there and smart dude, man. So take me when you reported for the first time to boot camp. It is. Where'd, that. You, where'd you go? What, what year is this, by the way? This is 95. 1995. Yeah. Were you in San Diego or no? Where'd I you go? Paris Island. Paris Island. Yeah, had to go there. Yeah, no matter what. Like, you know, obviously, Full Metal Jackets yeah. in my brain. It's like I got to go there. And it's uh, exactly like that. Take me through, like, the fir- like what's the fir- last? What was the first thing you remember from that? Rolling in at two in the morning, the bus lights come on, mm-hmm. and you just see the sign: "Welcome to Paris Island." Did we, you try to talk to somebody? Where we on make the, Marines. Did you talk to somebody on the bus, or were you so scared? Or you know, you know, everybody on the bus. Oh, we were doing the Marine Corps hymn on the way there. Uh, it's it's like this camaraderie yeah. thing is already synced up, and we're all just we're all just so stoked until right. you know you pull up into the double doors, and there's oh, this shadowy shit. Yeah. guy with a drill cover on. And you're just not you, you. You're literally kind of shitting yourself a little bit. Yeah. Everybody's puckered up, and he gets on the bus, and for good reason because it's just immediate. Get the fuck off my bus! Move your asses right now! And he's screaming, and he doesn't get off the bus. He he kind of backs up against the driver and screams at every single person as they're getting off. You know, yeah. get on the yellow footprints, right? And then you got the you got this two weeks of in dock where you're just kind of you're in this little practice platoon, but you're getting you know destroyed by this. You know, uh, he's not going to be your drill instructor. He's just kind of a uh, an indoc, yeah. right? Um, and then, yeah, you get to your barracks, and then just that smell of uh, Paris Island just starts wafting through every day. It's just it's this swampy, 
low country kind of smell sand mm-hmm. fleas everywhere and just i mean everything they're known for and everything you see the, the mess movie. hall trash yes you, you, like the, where they dump the stuff like yeah every uh, place has a smell it, it, that's you know? the, that smell would bring me back immediately yeah. if i if i get into like south carolina or anywhere there's kind of swampy areas mm-hmm. man it's just immediately brought back there amazing how yeah. it just kind of how uh smells can just kind of completely bring you back to a time you know and as i the older i get the more i realize like songs and mm-hmm. you know how uh certain smells just kind of completely throw you back like you're yeah. in the moment like flashbacks and you know fires now i mean you remember like afghanistan i was burning everything right mm-hmm. uh fires now if i smell any plastic in a fire i'm in i'm in afghanistan right i'm there wow it's all yeah. like immediate same thing with uh i did some time in iraq too and you know Marine Corps and or actually the military, we just, we burn everything, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, and that's uh, that's a big thing right now too, the burn pit. I don't mean to advance so quickly. But well, we're gonna get hopefully yeah. we get to that. Maybe I can get some claims filed yeah. or something. I'm your uh, guy. <laughs> <laughs> what about? I mean, I I gotta. I'm I'm way curious about West Point and all that. What was that like? And how'd you get to into doing that? Well, uh, 9/11 happened when I was a senior, and mm-hmm. Anyway, I'd kind of known about West Point, and anyway, I started applying. I was really good in high school, really good grades, really big, like, football player, and um, 9-11 happens. They were actually letting more people in than normal, Mm -hmm. and I had kind of a – the football coach gave my application to the sprint football coach, so I was kind of halfway recruited uh, for football – I lost 20 pounds when I got there in boot camp, though. So I was now I was too small for the regular <laughs> team, and I I played sprint, like lightweight football. Anyway, yeah, I was, you know, I was ready to go. It physically, I was in shape. I was in good shape, um, but everything else I struggled with. I almost quit twice my first year just because I was failing so bad, and I knew they were going to kick me out. Physically or no, academically yeah, yeah. and. Um, but somehow I scraped by with like a D, D plus, you really? know, and I ended up, I think I pulled out my old G, my uh, GPA was 2.2 when I graduated, but, um, I was number 600 or something out of 899 graduated. And, um, but it was, it was tough. I mean, mainly like if you go from Canton high school to West Point, it's yeah. academically like you're in there with guys from it's the military Harvard, right? I yeah. Mean. Preparatory academies, you know, just families like one of my friends, he just actually ordered coffee. He's like grandma owned the Chicago bears, you know, <laughs> like there's, there's like royalty, like literally there's other countries like princes and stuff. We got, the, we could always laugh. The Prince of Taipei, Taiwan sure the Westmoreland was, was family there. Was there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and my first room, one of my first roommates had a perfect SAT score like 1600, you know, and I took it, I took it five times just to get to the point to where they would half-ass consider mine, you know, because the first time it was Forrest Gump style, like this is the worst grade we've ever seen, like we've never seen anyone this low, Um, but yeah, I mean, and as far far as smells go, the West Point sewage plant is on these railroad tracks down by the Hudson River, and our two-mile PT course, two-mile run that we have to do, runs by it and you just smell shit the whole time and the train comes by 
and I never ran two miles before I got there. So the first PT test I failed because I, you know, I failed the, the two mile run. Yeah. And, uh, anyway, I ended up passing it. And I like to tell that story at CrossFit because, you know, it, anything you practice and train, like you can excel at, which I can, you know, now I could fly in colors. It's just easy. But I, was, I physically, I, that's where I was. I was a complete raw. Mm-hmm. Like I, I had, I hadn't really played sports in high school at all. Yeah. So Marine Corps boot camp just kicked my ass. I mean, just whooped my ass. But mm-hmm. I was, bro, I, I gained like 26, 20, 30 pounds coming out. Yeah, I was it, ripped. Yeah, <laughs> right. It makes you, I mean, because you, you run everywhere. Yep. You're constantly doing push-ups, sit-ups, yep. pull-ups. And yeah, same thing in the Army. It's, and. But but also injuring yourself like I, I you know I got wicked shin splits from I mean you run three miles with all your gear yeah and and, and you're you have no practice doing that you're just immediately injured right. injured right it felt like everything I did in the military was yeah designed so, to injure you <laughs> right so shin like shin splints comes up in, in CrossFit too and in, definitely in the military. Like, there's these little muscles in the front of your legs. They're really thin, really long, like, kind of like the same ones that are in your back along yeah. your spine called spinal erectors. But these little bitty muscles, when you go from not running at all to pounding your your legs, especially on the pavement like you do in the military mm-hmm. with combat boots on, mm-hmm. these muscles get inflamed, and that's the shin splint, right? Yep. But you have to condition these muscles where they don't become inflamed. I mean, there's there's obviously stretches you can do, but it's conditioning over time. Those shin splints go away. So so it's not a bone thing. It's no. it's actually just t- tendons in your yeah. Leg. And of course, I'm not a doctor, so I complete hey, can, can be completely full better, of shit on this. Better for the explanation I've ever thought. But just like doing deadlifts or something, you have to condition. Like if if you're doing deadlifts at CrossFit and you haven't lifted anything with your back in a long time, you haven't done anything, you're going to be super sore. You're going to think you've probably injured your back. But what has happened is those little thin muscles have gotten inflamed. You have to condition those. The positive side of that is once those muscles get strong, you feel your back feels better than it ever has because now you're supported. Your spine's supported. Mm-hmm. But with running, we've taught so many people to enjoy running again or for the first time in their life because whenever they tried running, they want to vomit. They feel like they want to vomit and their shins hurt. Well, the only way to get through that is to keep exercising. Now, CrossFit, you get cardio strong. You you gain capacity, cardiorespiratory endurance. Not even with run, like You don't even have to run because what you did this morning – that was brutal. It, to me, it was brutal. You know, <laughs> cardio-wise, you're like, why am I so out of breath? Yeah. I'm just lifting weights. Well, your muscles, when you lift weights, like, it, it requires oxygen, too. And when you lift weights fast and do jump ropes and all these other things, that gets you conditioned cardio-wise for this. So now, like, the next time, you know, after a few weeks, when you go for a jog, you're not going to feel like you have to vomit anymore. So that, that, that ups the fun factor considerably. Is there anything to get the acid down? <laughs> That's what kills me, man. Are like, you talking about like the after first, muscles? Yeah, like after that first the soreness. No, yeah, that first mile where it starts really pumping through your veins. Yeah. Man, that that's when I just I'm done. Are you not talking about indigestion? Are no, you? No, You're no, talking no. about okay. Just that yeah. that burning in your yeah. veins when you yeah. really get going for a while. Well, just over time your body becomes more, you know, just like if you don't drive a car, you you buy a car and you sit it at your house and you never drive it. That thing 
will break down quickly. If you don't drive a vehicle or a four-wheeler or whatever, like it's it's on it's well on its way to not working. But if you keep you know an object in motion stays in motion. If you keep doing a little bit, and like another thing that's you know that's why CrossFit every day you do a different workout. Your body is always challenged and it's always in motion, doing different stuff. It's not doing one thing over and over and over again. It's doing these different movements. But running becomes really enjoyable when you don't want to vomit, your shins don't hurt, and you can, you're not struggling so bad that you can think about other things, and it becomes like a, it comes like therapy. And that's why people that run a lot, they get into it, and they're like, man, I love this shit. I hope I can get there. But if, but if you never, <laughs> if you never, tr- if you never try like that first step or whatever, like it will always be hellacious. And it's just like somebody in the, in the military. Oh man, my shin, I got bad shins. No, your little muscles in there are inflamed because they've never been pounded like that. And it just, over time it'll, you know, and there's no magic pill. There's no fucking insole you can buy. That's going to, no. that's going to stop that. It's, it's, it's the practice, the repetition of, you know, the, the movement and, same type of thing with like plantar fasciitis. Those, there's little muscles in your foot that get inflamed and get tight, and it's tight muscles that makes your foot feel like it's bruised. And well, I also I also love how you explained it today. The uh, the workout being like sprinting, you know. Yeah. Because uh, I love I do love sprinting. I'm fast. Yeah. <laughs> when it comes to yeah. the sprint, you know what I mean. Yeah. Don't go out sprinting right now. No, no. You're, you're getting no, old, right? No. You got to warm up considerably sure, before you go yeah. hundred, right? Yeah. <laughs> But the, that, that, I mean, that made a lot of sense yeah. to me, the way you explained that being uh, kind of a way to build up. Because but, but, that's what we're doing. We're, we're basically sprinting, you know, doing, yeah. doing quick sprints. But it takes, you know, sprinting. I love it, too. We gotta, we're getting older. We've got to warm up thoroughly. We've got to sprint at like 20%. we got to sprint at 40%, 50%, 60%, 70 Then we're going to go 95% before we start the actual workout and when we do the workout we're going to go like 98 percent we're like we're still not going to go completely like this dude's got a gun i got to get out of here because we're a little older and when you sprint the main thing like pulling a hamstring is the worst but you're going to do that primarily when you go to stop and you're and you're like bugs bunny and you're sticking your feet out in front of you to try to slow down you just want to kind of run it out slow and slow down most people, when they take a big step to slow down with their with their heel strike in front of them, that's when they pull the hammy. It's not, it's not on the on the speed up or anything. And I feel like the military has a big lesson that they need to learn from this, right? You know what I mean? Well, just having guys that are, you have all these you have these guys that are responsible mm-hmm. for all these young men and women learning how to you know run for the first time and do lifting and all these other great physical activities, but they don't know what they're doing. You know what I mean? They're just telling you what to do, but they yeah. have, they have no way of uh, explaining um, the, the proper techniques, those yeah. sorts of things. I, and I just can't imagine, I'm thinking of like, I, I personally have some disability from boot camp. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm just thinking about how many people would benefit, <laughs> how much the military would benefit overall. Well, yeah, but then, but then you're waiting for that to happen to, you know, it's like, let's just do this shit, right? At the end of That's the day, yeah. at the end of the day, let's just get this done. If these guys are going to quit because they can't handle some shin splints, like, 
That's true. Put them out, right? And it, it, there is the weeding out factor. Yeah. You do need that. Because a lot of people, and it happens with CrossFit too, unfortunately, because I've had a thousand people quit my gym. A thousand over the last, you know, 12 years or whatever. And a lot of people get sore and they don't like it. And they're like, yeah, this is not for me. I'd rather put that belt on that shocks my stomach or like <laughs> drink the shakes or, you know, go get the liposuction or the gastric sleeve or, or whatever it's tough it's not for everybody it's hard work it's real work and it's not for everybody and you know then some people don't like you or me or whatever and it's fine but the military's not for everybody either right everybody thinks yeah. they want to do it until they get there and it's like okay i almost joined the marine corps <laughs> you get that story. You get that all the time. Man, man almost. Yeah. They wouldn't take me. You know, uh, you know? I, you know my knee was. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I was in there with some pretty rough characters. Like, I, they probably would have taken you, bro. Yeah. If you wanted if you wanted it bad enough, you know. Uh, man. Uh, well, I'm actually, on the lighter <laughs> side, I, that just reminds me of uh, a fellow that didn't make it through boot camp. And uh, he showed up, and he had a gigantic EGA on his chest. Tattooed. What's an EG? The, uh, the Eagle em- Globe and Anchor. Oh, the it's, Marine it's, Corps emblem already. Yes. Wow. Yeah. So you're there. You're target, you know, you, dude. <laughs> what a target. <laughs> he got destroyed, man. With this poor kid, I thought he was going to actually do like the the oh. show up in the bathroom and he's in there with his rifle and you know what I mean. He was one of those guys. Um, but and, he got weeded. The drill sergeant was probably telling him he should. Yeah. Probably. Probably, I mean, he was what doing it in front of us, and we were, and we we're. It's the same as the movie, man. We were all being warned, like you will not touch him. <laughs> you know what I mean? Even though we're getting punished <laughs> right. daily, yes, because this kid got a freaking EGA tattoo. I mean, that's a sacred thing. It's oh, sacred. Dude. It's like a ranger yeah. patch. It's, yeah. it's 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 everything that you it's it's earned, right? Yeah. Um, and this kid showing up while it was fun. It was so damn funny because, you know, drill instructors—they're just comedians. Yeah, at at heart, right? Yeah. <laughs> just like all military people. He's not the first dude to have that, you know. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> won't be the last. But it was awesome. I think that was that was that's probably the funniest part about boot camp. Um, I had to, I just had to relive that story. Yeah, I, th- I thought you'd appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, when I when when I have a kid like from hometown Canton, Athens, want, that wants to go to the Marines or the Army or something, I say hey, the best thing you can do is shut the fuck up. Shut your mouth. Do not talk at all. When they're not looking... Do not try to be an individual. <laughs> you, can, you can talk when they're not looking, maybe, if, unless they don't hear you. Like, take take a rest break when you're doing push-ups and they're not looking, whatever. But they don't want to hear you. Like, blend in. Blend in. No one wants to your opinion. You know, if you talk or do anything, you're going to be singled out and they are going to find you and make you the the you know, the whipping boy of the whole deal. Like, just shut up. Have you ever been the whipping boy? A few times, yeah. I I, uh, I had this one platoon sergeant. Man, I hated this son of a bitch. And uh, we were doing dips one time. I don't know. He would just, he would single me out. And and he goes, how many are you doing, D? I was like, more than you. And that got him pretty good. And at West Point, you're not supposed to talk in the bathroom. You can't talk outside. You have to walk around with your hands cuffed. And uh, I went in the bathroom, and I started to greet him. Upperclassman, you got to greet and say, you know, good morning, sergeant, you know, whatever you have to say. And 
he was taking a piss at the urinal and I walk in the bathroom in my bathrobe and I went started to greet him. Good, good morning. Sir. And then I remembered I, sh- I didn't have to and I laughed and I went back and I slapped him on the back as he was pissing. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and I started peeing next to him and he turns to look at me and he's so mad. He's got tears in his eyes. And he's, you know, he's so close to my face. He's spitting pretty much, you know, the the spit from his yell is just hitting my face at this point. And then he, so I had to get dressed and have my rucksack and hold it like full arm extension while I was doing a, a wall sit. You know, while everybody else is like eating breakfast or something. And I did, and I had to hold it and until I, until I fell out. Like it was like an hour or so later or however long I held it, but. And me and him, and then I never, like, if I saw that once, like, we got through all everything and we were, like, in the academic year, I would see him. I still wanted to fucking kill him. I wouldn't kill him right now. <laughs> you know, if I met him right now, I'd, I'd consider, like, let me just kill this dude. Or there's a, there's a probably a nice guy. But there's kind of a love-hate on my on. side. You know, I, yeah. I had the same thing. I had one guy that at towards the end of boot camp, he just, he found me. He, he knew my he knew my game. He knew yeah. I was Joker down yeah. at the end. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, so uh, and he was devious too because he uh, he waited, he plotted, mm-hmm. and waited, and then uh, one morning it was it was Chow time, and you know we're getting close to graduation, so now we're just a little bit cocky. Mm-hmm. Um, he's like, "Hey, Marold, get down there and get some grub." It's four in the morning, mm-hmm. you know, right? So I go down to the chow hall and I'm, I'm thinking, well, this can be an easy day. It's like a Sunday. No, mm-hmm. no big deal. Um, and I just, so I just gorge, man, waffles, all that stuff. It's still time. Like we, you only have three minutes to eat. That's yeah. like a literal thing. I don't know if yeah. they did it for you guys, but you got three minutes and then yeah. go. So I gorge in three minutes. It's all down super fast. Then we're back up in the squad bay real quick. Marl, mm-hmm. come over here. I'm like, uh, so I come over to the, you know, do my report thing. And he just quarter decked me like hell man for 20 minutes until i puked and i started crying so what's <laughs> I, I what's would, quarter deck mean so that's a marine thing I yeah think. yeah instead of instead of taking you out to the sand pit to make you do like burpees mm-hmm. that's a, that's a good example yeah. burpees is pretty much being it's like constant burpees you know, yeah and all those different exercises which we usually do outside in the sand but you know it's sunday so we're gonna do it inside and we're gonna do it in front of everybody which is right there out in front of the uh, di's hooch yeah Right, so I'm. I mean, he's just up, down, up, down, up, down. I'm like, oh my god, yeah. trying and to teach you a he's lesson. Like, right. He's like, you're a badass now, aren't you? I'm like, yes, sir, yes, sir. And then tears are like <laughs> pouring down my face, and then the then the whole breakfast comes yeah. up, and that was his like going away present for me. I think like, yeah. Um, but I I love him, dude. Yeah. I mean, the dude was just, uh, Sergeant Baker. Man, I don't remember anybody's names. Yeah, but I remember his name, Sergeant Baker, and he was just a awesome dude. Um, scary as hell, but you just kind of, you just had respect for him because he, he was infantry, right? He wasn't uh, he wasn't a recruiter that went no offense yeah. to recruiters or anything like that, but yeah. he wasn't an uh, an S one guy that went into recruiting duty and then became yeah, a DI. Yeah. He was he was the real he was the real deal and scary as shit and uh, evil evil at the end, man, <laughs> evil. Yeah. But it, I mean, it, it taught me some lessons, and uh, you know, I I, I, I stopped uh, being such a smartass. And there you go. Um, got my ass kicked <laughs> and I'm st- I was stronger for it yeah for sure so where all right so now you finished through the basic training and what did you do in the marines 
Um, you know, my original my original MOS was ordnance, like building ordnance for aircraft. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's a technical. It's supposed to be a technical job, but I mean, most times we're just in the end of the day, we're, just, we're basically doing squats with you know five hundred pound bombs, mm-hmm. and then you know loading them up with a with a device called a hernia bar. I'll get to that later, <laughs> <Yeah>. but <laughs> when it comes to like you know getting a, a disability, it's actually called a hernia bar. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, from lifting up uh, five hundred pound bombs, but I, I I stayed in for eight years, so I got to do you know. Uh, in the military, I mean, you could do several different jobs if you want. Yeah. You have your primary MOS. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm just explaining for the layman. Um, and then you have the opportunity to, like, take on these other jobs. And that's when I took on air crew and door gunner mm-hmm. on 46s. And all those things, that all those little extracurricular activities for me paid off when 9-11 happened. Yeah. Right? Um, at the time, I was a sergeant. Um, they gave me – they gave me. I'm fast-forwarding here, like, seven years because – Really, nothing happened. I mean, other than a trip out to Kosovo. Um, yeah, I, so I, became, I was a staff NCOSC, and you know, I, I brought my my platoon out. Um, we were on the USS Baton. Uh, this was the day nine eleven happened. I got a phone call. We were already set to be deploy, mm-hmm. right? But um, they obviously moved our deployment quicker. Within three weeks, we were in Afghanistan, super fast. Yeah. Right. Um, so we're the, we're part of the first wave going in there. I've got my team, you know, it's super exciting. Um, but at the time I, uh, I attached to a Harrier group and there was the rotor wing, the rotor wing guys were, were going in and the Sergeant who was from the Navy, um, I'm, this is, a, a, a telling story. Um, he was a, yeah, he was a Sergeant, uh, he, he transferred over from the Navy, um, you know, uh, the, the staff NCO comes in and he's like, well, who's ready to go in? We gotta, we gotta take a supply of, you know, something like a million tons of ordnance, yeah. you know, and, and we're going to be bouncing from fob to fob, right. All the way up to Kandahar. Um, and he literally said, he's like, I'm not ready. <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> you know, yeah. My hand was shot straight up. And, uh, yeah. I, I, di- I have no regrets doing that at all. And I ended up, I was on an LCAC that night with all this ordinance and we were, we were just sailing into the country. Uh, we were greeted on the beach. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, by, by, uh, Pakistanis. Uh, so, okay. You're, are you at Bagram airfield? No, this is this. You're in Kyrgyzstan. Where are you at? Where are you so, at? So this is in the red sea. Is the red sea? What sea is that? Right. That it's on Pakistan. Because you got Pakistan Shit. and then you have Afghanistan right above. Pakistan that. is all along the eastern side of Afghanistan. Yeah, but it has a curve down on the bottom, so we had to go through Pakistan to get. It's a sh- it's a short run. Yeah, um, maybe that's the. Uh, look at the damn map. Give me a. I don't have an assistant. I, I mean, on the other hand, it could have been. Uh, they just had Pakistanis out there helping, you know what I mean? Cause that, that was yeah. their, their, that was their assistance to our country, but they were helping us offload. Yeah. I mean, you got the Indian ocean down there. Yeah. That was, that's where I we mean, were. You're in Indian ocean, but that's where here's we Pakistan. Par- there's Afghanistan. Yep. But th- that's where we were parked. Right, right off here. But off the Karachi? Yeah. Uh, and then Arabian Sea. Then we okay. Took, we took LCACs into here. What's an LCAC? That's a hovercraft. 
Oh shit, they're, they're cool. This is GI Joe. You can tell yeah. you a hovercraft. I have yeah. never even seen one of those, those are, in real life. Those, they're legit, man. So super cool. Not so a whole you, lot of room. So for... you took a hovercraft from the Arabian Sea into Pakistan. Yep. Yep. Which Pakistan is an ally with? I'll put air quotes at the time. Yeah. They are. They are an ally, and they're just. I hate Pakistan. Uh, I was not a fan, and uh, you know a lot of my. Yeah, a lot of issues because I had to do everything on ground, man. You know. Uh, All right, and then you were gonna t- put ordnance on helicopters and and go in to drop or what? Yeah, we're gonna make forward operating bases. You know, yeah. those those little pop up, the basically pop up yeah, bases, right? Mm-hmm. And we we're gonna leapfrog all the way up to Kandahar. Yeah. Right. Um, once we got to the mountains, we had we had to fly over the mountains in the uh, C one thirties. They came and picked us up and and jumped us up over to uh, Kandahar. Yeah. Um, but that was after, man, I, I think it took us took us two months to get up there because, I mean, there's there's no infrastructure, no U.S. infrastructure yet. I mean, we're yeah. doing, we're this putting. Is, this is 2001, 2002. Yeah, this is October. 2000, yeah, 2001, <laughs> yeah. October 2001. I'm going ashore in November, like November 5th. Mm-hmm. I'm by myself. I'm, I'm with an infantry group. Mm-hmm. Right, because they're they got the tanks and all that stuff, and we had to get those in country. Um, but yeah, tip of the spear, you know what I mean? Yeah, but there was no infrastructure, and um, this is you know, this is before IEDs were even named, right? Yeah, you yeah. know, um, and that was my first experience. Is like we had uh, uh, one, of, one of the hardest times I had was it just was an IED going off, um, but you know, there wasn't any name for it. Yeah, other than roadside we, bomb. we didn't yeah. know if it was like a you know incoming fire or something like that. This is right when we crossed over the border, um, and the you know in hindsight, looking back at it, it was it was deep buried, um, so there was a, there was a huge concussion, but there was no there was no frag from it because yeah. they, they didn't know what they were doing either. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know um, that was a super burned in memory thing. Um, and then, uh, just moving through the country, it was the same thing. It was just pot shots everywhere you went. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, I remember the first time we caught fire, I pissed myself. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, you know, everybody talks about being tough yeah. and all that shit, but yeah, when that first, uh, when the first attack happened, I remember diving in the holes with my, with my buddies. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause by, at this point we got, I got guys, right. Um, and, and uh, they, you know, they had a stand to order. It came through. There's people in the wire coming through. It's it's everything like in the Vietnam movies you've seen. I'm like, this is it. This is it. Yeah. Get right out there, and I'm looking down my leg. There's piss, right? And the, the other boys are either pissing out or yeah. they've they've got the same thing going. In. Right. Scariest moment of my so life. So this is man. like, you're in a security posture. Yeah. And they're attacking your wherever you're in yeah. patrol base or something. Yeah. Or, or and this is right when drones came out. Yeah. I mean, they, it's new technology, brand mm. new. They still didn't even really know how they were using it. I don't yeah. think, um, we did have the, the, the night vision capability. So, you know, these guys <laughs> crawling on the ground and we're just kind of looking at them laughing at the same time. Yeah. But, um, but I, the, the part that scared me was like, we had a, we had a helo brownout flipped mm. over that it could have been my aircraft that I was on, but it wasn't, I, yeah. you know, I, I didn't have to go on that one. Um, but I did have friends in that man. And, you know, one of them got, uh, severely injured. Um, that just scared the shit out of me because we all thought that, you know, it was incoming mortars or something like that. It just blew up a helicopter. 
Um, it, but it was the attack package, and he, yeah, he just browned out and flipped right over. Mm-hmm. Um, and those those guys way out there uh, that were coming in, the bad guys, uh, you know, they got picked off one by one by uh, infantry folks that were way way out there forward deployed. Um, <laughs> I remember we all just kind of laughed about it afterwards because it was just like you just kind of envision a haji kind of crawling through the desert trying to be sneaky, yeah, having no idea we can completely see you. <laughs> Yeah, you can't see us, but we can see. I can see your eyes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, And that's when they learned. Oh shit! You know the 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 U.S. is they've got some technology that we don't know about. Yeah. They thought they knew everything, but they didn't know anything. Yeah, I'm sure you knew. And then eventually, you know, by the time I was there, they had some night vision. Yeah. So like, you know, I was there in 2008. For sure. And. they didn't get it from the Pakistanis, they were, though. They were adapting, yeah, Pakistanis <laughs> funding the whole damn thing. <laughs> <laughs> and how's Bin Laden, you know, and anyway. They you all, probably ran into some, you, I was when on you the were border. there, you probably had some really nasty politics going on at that time, right? Oh, yeah. Well, well, I was there half under George Bush, half under Obama. And, um, yeah, all the bad guys were just coming over the border. And I was in the mountains, like in the, I was in Kunar. In mm-hmm. like uh, Asadabad, uh, Korangal Valley, uh, Camp Blessing. Didn't they make movies about that? Yeah, there's there's a couple of them, and uh, don't like to really watch them. And I've seen them, but um, yeah, the, um, you know that's why we kind of went to the ACU camouflage, the digital, because it 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 was terrible camouflage, but under night vision it was really good because under night vision is the whole reason we went to that digital camouflage at a time. Yeah. Now we're in multicams, which are the best camouflage we've ever had, but I'm not sure what the, what, what it is under night vision. Just not to, I, I, I don't want to interrupt this story, but yeah. I, I gotta, I gotta put in a little side note in here. Yeah. We're wearing desert storm shit. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> we had like these really trashed. I, I'm pretty sure they were worn before yeah. desert camis with the desert, turtle back and all this mm-hmm. other st- oh man it's so awful we were so long rifle m16s i yeah. mean nothing the marines cool. hung on to those for a long time nothing cool yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah we had great stuff but you know i go hog hunting now at my ranch with a thermal if i'd have had that i'd have been so much more effective i mean because it's and that's just the technology from 2008 to now the thermal scope you can buy at cowboy headquarters or walmart I don't even know if Walmart sells it, but put it on an AR, AR-15 or an M4. Mm-hmm. I can see way better than I could see with night vision goggles. But, it, you know, with the night vision, I was good. I could tie my shoe. I could do my taxes with my under night vision. Like, I was so used to it. But that thermal scope was, is so much. The one I have now is just so superior. And that's just, I guess, shows you the technology. that. And uh, hopefully they're using those now. Uh, and, like, the normal infantry soldier has one. Or I really, I, it's probably a little bit lower tech than that, but mm-hmm. I, I I got these MVGs, um, military class MVGs mm-hmm. with an IR laser. And I love that thing. Yeah, we had the IR being laser. A, being yeah, able to paint your target and right. all that stuff. Yeah, we had the lasers. Everybody had a laser on their gun. The Thermal's a, a next level. I had one. I could I could have shapes. I could do like a triangle, and I could I could. I could laze targets for my men and say like, "Hey, look at that! Look at mine!" You know, that's my that's me. Go the yeah, triangle. go over there. Look at this. Shoot there. You know, um, 
but yeah, the, I mean, just the technology now is just so much better. I had a thermal monocular in reconnaissance school that was red. It was it looked red, and it was thermal, and it would take pictures. But it was too expensive for me to have. Like nobody gave it to me. Like going down range or anything, I had to turn it back in. I mean, your job was essentially infantry, right? Yeah, I was an infantry officer. Yeah, yeah, and I was a reconnaissance platoon leader. And that's uh, awesome. But yeah, so Afghanistan, you went. How long were you there? Uh, well, Marines, man, we're in and out, dude. Yeah, I was on that six month rotation that they this have around the world. Right, yeah. literally the the mission of the Marine Corps, right? Yeah. So I only had to do six. We did six months there, and uh, it got extended to like I think eight months. We got back late. Yeah. Um, and then it, it, I the Iraq thing. I went to Iraq for like a year and a half. And that was a different story, but that's another story. But um, yeah, just six months. You Pretty talk. Quick. You talk about your first time you got shot at. The first time I got shot at, I was shaking, and I was on this. I was on the face of a mountain. Like a helicopter dropped me off the night, or. Dropped me off supposedly at night, but it was right before night. Everybody knew we were on the top of this mountain. And um, the next morning, they started shooting at us. And I was, I started, had these rocks in front of me. I started stacking rocks in front of me and, like, had my GPS, like, my radio and everything, my map out. And uh, and an RPG came over my head. But, but you know, the, the, the bullets were, and then a, Popping this is a long story, but an American shot at us. Like there was, we were overwatching a route clearance, like engineers clearing a road Yeah. for, uh, for IEDs. They were clearing for IEDs, but I was up on the mountainside, you know, overwatching, but enemy shot at them and they turned around and shot and not every soldier on that mission knew where I was and, uh, me and six dudes and a 50 cal machine gun shot at me Damn. and, uh, that was rough. That's a scary sound. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's a lot different than a 7.62 popping over your yeah. head. Yeah. But so I was getting it like kind of from both angles. And um, thank God none of my guys that day got got shot. Um, but anyway, I was trembling. Like I was, holy shit, and stacking that stuff up. And anyway, reacted. And then every time after that, it got, it got easier. You know, just like anything. Yeah. It, you know, it it gets easier you get yeah you definitely get a little bit numb or used to it but um yeah you never forget that i mean never um all right well all right you finish you finish why'd you get out of the marines um you know i didn't i met my wife yeah she was actually what i left out of the story of going to afghanistan Mm -hmm. was she was the first female marine uh deployed on a on a combat tour Oh, okay. <laughs> wow. So, uh, well, at least from our from our MOS. Yeah. Uh, there, there was three other females on the ship, um, but she was yeah she was one of like four females. Um, we're 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 friends. I mean, she was yeah. my she was my second. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, as far as uh, I, I was a, you know staff and she was NCO. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know we had a close relationship as that was. Um, but you know a lot of rumors started flying. Um, and it showed up on my fit rep, you know, I've got this combat fit rep that makes me look like a bag of shit. Mm-hmm. I, I got bitter real quick. Cause I was, I was staff select. So I should have been promoted. Mm-hmm. Um, and just like everybody else who, you know, did any kind of combat tours, you come back and it's like, here you go. It's like they're giving out rank, you know? Yeah. Um, so my career just kind of took a, a nosedive, um, for no good reason. Mm-hmm. Honestly, uh, we were, we were not 
engaged all the time in front of people or anything like that. We were very professional. Yeah. Shit, I get, she had one of her worst reviews was from me. <laughs> <laughs> Whole other story, but um, yeah, she served with me over there and we got back and uh, she was she was pretty much done too. Um, she, you know, it, was, it was tough on females back then. Yeah. It still is, but I mean, it was super tough on her. Um, and, uh, you know, she was moving back to Texas and we got married and you know, we did the uh, uh, off-base housing for a little bit, and mm-hmm. then uh, she got out, and then I followed her. Cause I just had, I just didn't see a, a really great career for me other than behind a desk. Yeah, it was at that point. You know, after eight years, you're either going recruiting duty or you're, you're sitting at a desk. Yeah, as a staff. Yeah. Um. So I was just kind of done with that whole thing. Cause I was just an action junkie, man. I wanted to get out there and and do all that stuff. But that, you know, that offered me that, that got me the opportunity to, to go back as a contractor for, uh, uh, army Corps of engineers. And, mm-hmm. uh, it, you you talked about, you know, IDs and all that stuff. Um, that's what we were doing. We were, we were EOD, we were EOD. Yeah. And because of my experience with, uh, uh, weapons and, you know, building bombs and all that stuff, destroying them is the opposite. Mm-hmm. So they, they classified me as an EOD tech and I got to, spend up the about a year and a half in the Mosul area um just destroying billions of tons yeah i say billions it's probably more in the high high millions but um i mean we had huge detonations every single day of uh you know saddam's leftover stuff that yeah. just was left unguarded and it was, it was all the stuff that they were using for ieds yeah so that's why we were being paid. chinese rockets and r- yeah. russian stuff and- yeah but that was also a very exposed, you know, everybody's like, well, you're a contractor, so you're making tons of money. I was like, yeah, but you're super exposed, mm-hmm. right? When we did everything we could with steel plating and all that stuff. But again, ID, you know, that yeah. that kind of changed my life, you know, mortars coming in, you know, and, and actually, you know, the, the biggest thing and the biggest, I guess the traumas that would, that would extend and maybe you can appreciate this is, is the ones where you didn't know where it was coming from. And it was, and it was very random. Yeah. And you're just, and in your heart, I mean, you're there really, you want to be there. You want to serve and you want to, you know, help these countries, you know, gain footing and, and come back around. And you're, so yeah, you got that heart of, you know, serving them and helping them and they're shooting at you. That yeah. was the hardest thing for me to cope with. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and, and the randomness of those attacks, you know, if, if there was ever coming at us and we could see where fire was coming from, that didn't bother me at all. But when a, an ID goes off and they're too cowardice to see you or face you yeah. and you had no idea where it came from, I mean, you know, we're shooting out the windows. It does nothing. Um, that was, the, those are the ones that affected me the worst, mm-hmm. you know, really, really hurt. Um, so that exposed time is, is I think really, you know, uh, kind of cemented everything that I went through in Afghanistan. Um, but, you know, speaking of the, just this, the six months, I mean, that's, that's one of those stigmas that not just me, but, you know, a lot of veterans uh, to kind of shift gears here a little bit. That's where uh, veterans uh, really kind of uh, stay locked in to, um, I don't deserve help. You yeah. know what I mean? Because, you know, sitting with a guy like you, it's just like, dude, you spent, what, a year there? Maybe two years? One year. Yeah, one year. And in, in one of the worst areas that is just brutal. So it's it's hard to go, I need help when, you know, I'm sitting next to someone like you. Um, you know, and of course, that I don't have that stigma anymore. Yeah. But it took a lot for me to get over that. Yeah. Right? I need help. 
Yeah. You, I mean, everybody does that has yeah. gone through that. And if you hear one of those concussions from an IED or even when you're detonating ordnance, it yep. rocks you to your core. Absolutely. You know, we had, um, and speaking of, you don't know where, like when we were in a mountain big valley and someone would shoot at us, you had no idea because it would echo. And you, where is that coming from? Like a sniper, you know, you yep. have no, and that's, that's terrifying. But we had these big howitzers or 155 you know, filled artillery pieces like on one of, in Asadabad, one of our base, and randomly, they get a fire mission, and they would they would they would shoot right. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're talking like maybe two in the morning. You're trying to take you're trying to sleep and boom, yeah. you know, and you jump out of the bed or, yeah. or you know you get mortars coming in or, or whatever. But absolutely, it's it wears on you. And still, twenty yeah. years later, twenty yeah. years later, I hear. Uh, you know, anything go off when I was any loud noises. I'm I'm like yeah. a, I'm a I'm a wet cat. Yeah, <laughs> you know you, they joke about you know fireworks does it sometimes, but when I was a uh, firefighter, when I after I got out of the military, I was a firefighter in Garland for four and a half years. Damn, and the bell going off at night, whenever we had a fire, the yeah. tones they go just like the stand to alarm. It. It was like we were getting attacked. Yep. And and uh, I didn't tell. I think I told my dad that one time, but I didn't tell a lot of people that. But it drove me crazy to a fact I didn't want to go to sleep because, like, that waking me up from, from a sleep would, like, I'd put me right back. Like, I'd look for my rifle, you know. Mm-hmm. And then, but, um, yeah, it was like I'm used to getting shaken. And uh, that's just something you have to. It wouldn't have been there with before, you know, going through the experience we went through. Um, but yeah. Yeah. I will, well, I guess, yeah, that's the thing is like teaching, you know, vets. If you get shot at one time, you're in the group. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, you don't have to be shot at, you know, 200 times to right. be in the group. You get shot at one time or you're even in that kind of situation where you could be shot at. Right. That's enough. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and, you know, trying to change that idea in, in folks. And I'm just, I'm just getting started at this, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? 20 years so have gone what, by. And, so what are, what is your role with the VA? Or, so what are you doing? Well, so last year, uh, last year I had a, just a complete meltdown, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but to, to help with the story a little bit, you know, f- four or five years ago, mm-hmm. I really, that's when I started uh, having symptoms, uh, you know, uh, migraines, memory loss, mm-hmm. heart palpitations, um, stuff like that, you know, a, a, a constant anxiety. And then uh, add on top of that, it was this thing called panic attacks. Had no idea what this thing was, right? Mm-hmm. I just knew that I wanted to die. <laughs> yeah. I, I was frozen in fear, right? And, th- you know, I say four or five years ago, but it, you know, it happened over 20 years, but I was just really good at, uh, medicating myself. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I drank like a fish, uh-huh. um, never addicted. I was never addicted to substances. Mm-hmm. I was, uh, I was too scared to be normal. It, Cause then I would feel everything. Right. Yeah. So I would, I would definitely drink. Uh, I, I, I did drugs for sure. Um, I got away from the drugs, but then, you know, you know, four or five years ago, I was pretty heavy drinking like every single day. Yeah. 
Hey, um, I'm I'm right there with you, man. Yeah, really. <laughs> yeah. I was just I was going to ask you like, how would you cope? Um, well, yeah, to get too personal, but that's what this I, is about, man. Yeah, reach, I uh, reach out, brother. I uh, <laughs> I saw it there. I've seen a lot of therapists and talk, and yeah. that helped me. That's probably saved my life. Did you do that quickly, or I did it? You're forced into it. No. <laughs> Well, they tried to make it, but it was so brutal. It was like, you know, what a pussy. Like, don't. You know, when you get back from Afghanistan, the last thing you want to do is they had like the 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 shrink that would come and like. Before getting out of the military? No. Like right when we got back from deployment, they had like somebody that you could talk to. Like basically stand in line outside the store and go in here and talk to this lady. You know? had no clue. So it was just like, fuck, dude, like nobody's doing this. Right. So didn't do any of that. And then uh, when I got to Fort Benning, I became an instructor at the uh, infantry officer basic course. Yeah. And I was really trying to get my life together. Ashley and I moved on base, Fort Benning. Like, I was really enjoying the enjoying being a teacher. And How long do you serve? I'm sorry. Just just five and a half years okay. after I graduated. So I was a captain okay. at, this, at yeah. this point. And um, there was a thing called Military One Source. And it you could see a real therapist off base and the army would pay for it right it was great so yeah. i saw this lady in columbus georgia went to her office i'd go in there and just cry you know yeah and uh <laughs> talk you know and it and it really like helped me tremendously for a couple of years it absolutely does you know for it a absolutely. couple of years i'm in the va system in dallas now and sometimes before covid i had a therapist that i would go see and do this thing with but you know he wants me to do like a bunch of homework a lot, a lot and i don't have time i gotta make a living you know i have to make a living so yeah. like i do and that stopped when COVID happened all that stopped i couldn't go there anymore and and um but so you stuck with you've stuck with therapy this like this yeah whole time, yeah right i'll have to that's awesome and uh and then but you know like at, since COVID, I feel like I've been drinking more days than not. Mm -hmm. Like, my record is two days without drinking. But, you know, I mean, like, one beer. Um, yeah. And, of course. And I think that's okay. I really do. Yeah. I mean. And I don't, it doesn't have a hold on me. But I wish, like, a lot of times I'm thinking, like, I should stop, right? And then I want to stop. And then I've got a coach now that's like, hey, man, just buy one 12-pack in a week. <laughs> Never drink alone. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, try to do these things to where, you know, um, you can cut back on it. But it's self-medication is what it is. It is. I don't think it, you, you know, a lot of folks after I got out of the hospital were just like, you're treating me like I'm an addict, an alcoholic. I'm like, I, I have no desire to drink right now. Like, yeah. I'm sitting here like, none. Mm -hmm. I'll take a sip of scotch or something like that and, mm. Yeah. Nostalgia comes in, but I it, the flavor and all that stuff, it really kind of yeah. – I'll get to that in a little bit. But um, my the big key difference, man, is just like they – it was very much like uh, – well, they, they hadn't had a war since Desert Storm, and that wasn't really a – that was – 100 days. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to downplay it, but yeah. you know what I mean. Well, it still was – yeah. But they – the resources that were available to you mm -hmm. in 2008 were non-existent in 2002. Yeah. Right. They had no, and to include documentation. So my DD 214 is clean as 
white sheets. There's not much on it because I didn't, I didn't press the issue of mm-hmm. where I was and what I did and what I experienced. So it never made it onto my DD-214. Uh, and right now, 20 years later, I'm, I'm now getting into the case of proving all these instances to get on my DD-214. That's just the DD-214, which, mm-hmm. you know, that's the basis for everything that the VA, they, that's all they want to see is your DD-214. Yeah. They base everything off of that. Um, but also like the, uh, the, the counseling and all that stuff that, that didn't exist. Right. I'm sitting in separation class and they're talking about, you know, how to get a job, mm-hmm. you know, not about how to deal with what you experienced. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, say, and same thing with my wife. She didn't get any, any kind of offering of counseling or anything like that. Certainly there wasn't anybody waiting for us when we returned. Right. There was, yeah. a, there was just a big party waiting for us. Yeah. I mean, right. You know? I yeah I agree. I, and one of the I love the VA, and I hate the VA. And uh, I think we should have a card. We do have a VA card, but we should have a card where I can go to a provider in Athens and show it to them, and they can just give me certain in the in the, in the VA, if you will, will pay for it. I don't agree, and you may. You, you may disagree with me. I don't think we should have our own campus in Dallas or Tyler where we have to go. Nope. I think we should use private doctors or whatever. And it, I think in the long run, that'd be cheaper for the a country. Absolutely. Because we, we're not different from anybody else. It's called community we, care, yeah, right? Yeah. And you have to get permission to get community care. But what they, what they could do is um, they could provide – just give us the listing of these folks – that yeah. are in the community care system, right? And let us just go to them instead of there's a process just to go see a damn dentist outside of the VA network in a community, but they're in the community care network. It's like, yeah. uh, you know, insurance has those you know specific providers you need to go to. Yeah. They have that in the community care, but they don't share that with us until you have to make an appointment. And even then they just give you one specific person you need to go see. Yeah. That's, that's the mess part. That's a kind of a mess part. Medical insurance is the most, sorry, I hope there's no kids listening to this. It's the most fucked up thing ever. Yeah. I, you know, as a small business owner, Ashley and I, for Ashley and George, we pay like $1,100 a month just for their medical insurance. Insane. $1,100 is their medical insurance. Ah, the VA does my stuff, right? Mm -hmm. To whatever degree I am. But, like, who can afford that, man? I mean, it's just hopefully you work for a big company and they give you medical insurance because they have like uh, 10,000 employees and it's kind of cheaper, you know, it's still three or 400 bucks, I'm sure. But, but then you're, you know, you got your poor people who just go to the emergency room when they need it and they don't pay for it anyway. Right. Yeah. But I, you know, I pay 1100 a month and for peace of mind, that's, and 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 it's not even real good. But then I still have to pay when I go Yeah. and I still have to pay the, the should be free at that point. Well, yeah, of eleven hundred. Like, what's this fucking money for, <laughs> yeah. right? I'm paying eleven hundred. Oh, your copay is thirty five hundred. You know, five thousand. This and that deductible. Somebody's getting rich, and it ain't me. Right. It's, no, our system is it's pretty insurance. Up. You know, when when these insurance companies are on the Super Bowl ads and shit, wh- how much money are you making here? Why and how much are these ads and what? Yeah, man, that, yeah, man, it just pisses me off. But anyway, 
Well, no, you, but, yeah. but you're, you're touching on also like a, a big problem with people, like vets that are not in the system. Yeah. They don't get the help that they need. Right. Right. Because their, their insurance is way too expensive. Right. Um, and, and there's, of course there's vets out there that, that cannot get into the VA system. It's, it's totally possible, but, um, every one of them are, you know, you can go, any vet can go to an emergency room and, and get care. Yeah. You know, oh, right? absolutely. Um, but yeah, the, the system with the children is, I mean, I ain't gonna lie, dude, you know, when we got, uh, when I went to the hospital and, you know, I, I stopped bringing in money, you know, mm-hmm. uh, we went on, uh, Medicaid for mm-hmm. the kids. You know? Yeah. And that was a lifesaver, dude. Um, yeah, and we just had we had to do it. But, right. You know, but I had I had great I, even through, this this whole this whole twenty years of just you know super anxiety and all these issues that I was having and drinking a bunch. I had really good jobs, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and it wasn't until close to the end where I actually started to lose a job. But um, during that whole time frame, our insurance was killer. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I didn't really have to, I didn't have to deal with the private ownership, but then when we opened cam, that's yeah. when we got, we got hit with the, in the mouth, with what, what it cost private insurance for, for business owners, which is insane yeah. to me that those are the folks that, that deserve at least some subsidy. You know what I mean? Well, I get it, but it's just when, it, when you're thinking about opening up a, a small business, you just don't you don't really truly consider that part of it. It drained me. You're, you're already, you're already spending your life savings to get this door open and have a customer come in and maybe hire an employee and pay for their shit. And, and hopefully at the end of the month, you've got a little leftover to go buy your kid a toy or something, or, you know, make a car payment or something. Family trips are out the window but when you own your own business. Like, <laughs> all the cool stuff that yeah. everybody's doing is it, out the window. I mean, and you know, you, you got to be a success, you know, it's got to like, you've got to, man, it's just, it's, it's just, it's tough. And, and everybody knows that it's, it's hard. Right. It, and, um, but yeah, the man, just the medical insurance and they're like, well, man, what if something catastrophic happens? It's like, yeah, you can roll the dice and not do it. And then, you know, if you get in a car accident or, or you know, c- cancer or something. Um, anyway, that's kind of going down a dark place. But the the VA thing, I need to get back into it and do some count, do some therapy sessions. Yeah. Like I'm feeling them now. Like that's what I want to do. You know, and part of my therapy is being here. Like yeah. this is this is a, this is a whole step in this kind of rebirth that I'm going yeah. through, man. I just feel like a... I feel like a human being. I feel mm. like a father yeah. for once in my life. You know, I've got, I've got an 18 year old that, you know, she grew up basically without me because mm-hmm. I was just so distant, either working, getting, get, bringing in money yeah, or, you know, just lost in a bottle of alcohol or whatever I was doing. Um, so, but this all just happened last year, man. This is yeah. all like, compl- like, you know, I'm fresh 40, going on 47 and yeah. I'm just now living a life and I'm super regretting the past 20 years because what could it, what could it have been like had, you know, there been the option of therapy, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or if there's the option of just, you know, uh, being able to seek help, yeah. you know, I really thought that when I was getting out of the military, there, there was actually the message of don't be a pussy. Yeah. Suck it up. You know what I mean? Especially- yeah. So, um, 
especially in like the Marines and the, or yeah, the Army. Yeah, yeah. I, I I felt like you're getting out, and they're 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 even telling you like yeah, you, you, they're giving you some message like you don't you know there's there's guys out there right now being shot at. You don't you don't have anything to claim. So I went through 20 years of not even thinking I deserved anything. Yeah, uh, it wasn't until so yeah. Back to that story. Five years ago is when the, the symptoms really got bad, and I just had no idea what it was yeah. at that point. I, I was clueless. And then uh, uh, so four or five years of just dealing with that at a, at a very extreme level, my doctor, you know, I had a doctor here over, <laughs> this old guy, and he gave me the typical country answers like, oh, you just need some more iron in your diet, and here's a here's a spoonful of sugar. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? My had no idea yeah. that I had these mental problems that were physically killing me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Heart palpitations is a scary thing when you're in your 40s, right? Mm-hmm. And I was having these incredible, incredible heart palpitations that felt like a heart attack. And then the panic attacks, you know, I was hospitalized a couple times for that once in an ambulance ride in Austin, like we were staying in a hotel and I I locked up. And again, man, I, it still did not dawn on me. It wasn't until, uh, you know, my wife started doing some research, Mm -hmm. you know, um, and it kind of came to a head last year about the same time, more closer to September. But, um, you know, she booted me out of the house, man, locked the doors, go get help period. You know, um, and the, you know, we're, we're on a farm thing, and the parents just like, you got to go. You can't be here. Lock the doors. So now I'm like, holy shit. And that very night, um, I, I had a I, – I just couldn't take it anymore, and I, I attempted suicide. Mm. And that was my brutal – that was my brutal awakening. Um, the next morning I was in the mental health unit for Anderson County over in the Palestine – and it was there, you know, my wife had been calling the VA, the, the suicide hotline, just kind of get me some help. Um, but it was there that somebody did the, made the one-on-one, one-to-one connection make, equals three. I'm a Marine, so. You know. Yeah. You know, you know what I'm saying? One plus one equals two. Um, and they just, they, they realized that I was suffering badly from PTSD. Later on finding out that I also had TBI, which mm-hmm. is traumatic brain injury, yep. you know, from the yep. concussions. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, then I had, a, and those two, those two diagnoses really covered a lot of my physical symptoms and of course my, uh, drinking and all that other stuff. Um, so it was from there that they contacted the VA and the VA got me into temple mental health unit. Um, and man, that changed my life, bro. It's <laughs> so like three months, 16 weeks. So of, why did they take you to temple and not Dallas? Is it? Um, bed, bed space, COVID. Okay. Um, biggest thing was like you could only have one, one person per room instead of, you know, three or four people, okay. right. that sort of thing. They only had so much space. They were, and it, it was federal. So they had no, uh, bending of the rules. It was masking policy everywhere you went. Vaccinations yeah. mm-hmm. um, were required. Yeah. Um, all that other crazy stuff. Um, so I was, and actually I had to wait. Um, about six weeks on a waiting list to get into Temple, which, from what I've been told, Temple above, is above Dallas. Yeah. Leaps and bounds. And it was. It felt, I mean, I had a really great uh, uh, therapist um, who dealt specifically with PTSD. 
you know, they sent me there first for alcoholism and then they, within like two weeks, they're like, okay, we're going to switch you over to the PTSD program. And they got me with a therapist who did uh, cognitive behavioral therapy, yep. CBT. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just can't say enough good things about the VA and that system and how that worked mm-hmm. for me. And, but the biggest piece is obviously not going there and, you know, you got to be open yeah. to the process, right? What is the um, what is the process in in a couple of sentences? Well, again, going back to those guys that are just you know a shell, mm-hmm. even the even the tough guys, you know the guys that have been through everything have this hard exterior shell and mm-hmm. can't be weak and all that other stuff. So just being open to that, right? Being open to being open and yeah. crying, you know what I mean? Yeah. Letting yeah. it go. That's a big deal. Crying does a, it's a lot of good therapy in that yeah. man. You know right. what I mean? <laughs> Um, and we're not, and, and even as men, it's even harder on us, right? We're not allowed, forget the military part, as a man, you're not allowed to cry, right? Right, yeah. Um, but being able to just kind of open up to that and just be, having that underbelly showing and just, I'm, I'll, I'll deal with it. You know, I'm, that's what I'm here for. Obviously, the motivation is the doors were locked. <laughs> you <Yeah>. know, <laughs> that was a big thing. My wife had just had been done with it because, yeah. you know. Her and the kids had gone through 20 years of me being a, just an asshole. You yeah. I mean? She married this awesome dude. I'm pretty awesome. Right. <laughs> but I, I became no longer awesome during that 20 years. Um, so I spent 16 weeks there. and She could have picked a lot of different Marines. Yeah, yeah, she could have. She could have, yeah. but she picked There was 1,100 Marines on that boat. But man. she picked you. <laughs> she picked me. Okay. All right, let's move on. Yeah. So 16 weeks in that place. Mm-hmm. Um at the uh, and I gotta tell you when I say open to the process I mean everybody you know you sit it's just like any government facility you sit with a dozen different people offering different services right so I had one guy who, who got me into cybersecurity and that led to me getting into the VR and E program which is way beyond the GI Bill like they'll pay for the master they'll pay for a master's degree if you if you get along with it as long as you have disability mm-hmm. um, so it's incredible uh, uh option for you that that's available through the VA. Um, then there was the, uh, uh, the, 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 what is it called? The ketokinesis? Jim, you know what I'm talking about? Damn. Uh, it's a gym. Yeah. <laughs> there was a guy in there. He's awesome. He's a vet. You know what I mean? He's educated in kinesiology. Kinesiology. That's the one. Um, he really got me kind of not, into shape, but he got me out of my funk. 20 year mm-hmm. funk of yeah. not, not working out, not doing anything. And that improved my brain. You know, it's all, yeah. it's all the things that grandma tells you, mom tells you, dad tells you. You got to exercise. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, dude, you got to eat right. Right. <laughs> That's my therapy. That's why I'm still hanging on. You know, I, I do it every day and that I feel, you know, I worked out before you did this morning and I'm just completely different person after I do that exercise. Yeah, I feel yeah. great right now, man. Anyway, what's the, what was the other stuff? Um, and then, then there was the outside resources, the folks that came in, this yeah. non VA, non profits. Um, one was a, a service dog. So, you know, which I'm so excited about January 8th, I'm leaving to go for canines for warriors. Yeah. I need so, you, to, I need you to get me in that but you, for real. I mean, and most people don't even know this exists because the VA says, well, we approve service dogs, but they don't have a program in place yet. And yeah. you know, you know, it's going to take them 10 more years to yeah. do that. So there's a lot of non-for-profits out there, like uh, Canine for Warriors, Leashes of Valor. Um, but Canine for Warriors, I can't say enough good things about. They, they, I sent them my application. I sent them my diagnosis. 
um, other than interviewing people around me, mm-hmm. it was a pretty easy process, man. And um, unfortunately, because of COVID, they're just like, you, you got to wait till 2026. You're on a waiting list. But I got a call like last month that they, they bumped me to January 8th. I'm like, I'm so excited, man, because I just don't go out in public anymore. Yeah. You know what I mean? So now that I'm not drinking all the time to I still now I'm, my anxiety is still there. You know what I yeah. mean? But um, I can't you know, I can't have a beer before I go to the, out in public anymore. So I just don't go out in public. Yeah. Um, so that's where the service animal comes in. Then there's all sorts of other non-for-profits that do things like dun- dental work. And, and uh, uh, again, like helping you with house payments, uh, helping you with uh, just getting food for the month. You know, uh, Semper Fi Fund out of California, they got me a laptop because I was getting into cybersecurity. I just mm-hmm. told them about what I was doing. Um, and I told them I need a laptop for this class that I was taking. They sent me a laptop and they sent me a check for 1500 bucks to, to pay the rent for that month. Wow. That's you know what great. I mean? Cause of the position I was in. So, you know, the VA is great on it. It really is great on its own. If yeah. you follow the process, it's just like any other government agency. Yeah. Everybody's got their complaints about it, but I, I in my experience and it's been limited, I, I'll get, give you that. You know what I mean? In my experience though, if you follow the process and you do it properly, mm-hmm. just like any other government channel, you're going to get what you need out of it, right? It's the folks that, you know, they, they, they either don't follow the process. They expect the VA to do more of the stuff for you. You've got to do the work, man. Yeah. You've got to get out there and you've got to talk to the, you got to meet, you got to meet your counselors on time. You got to go to your appointments. You know, you can't skip them. Um, but if you, and if you stick to all that, you're going to get all the resources. And before I left the hospital, they gave me a hundred percent. And, you know, so you, uh, just for anybody that doesn't know what that means, mm-hmm. it's, that's like a hundred percent disabled. Yeah. Right. Um, um, partially because of my back and my shoulder, but mostly a hundred percent was for PTSD and TBI. Mm-hmm. So, and that opens up a ton of avenues. You're talking about like healthcare for your children. Like if you're a hundred percent, you get healthcare for your kids. Um, uh, all the other, you get free college for your kids. If you're a hundred percent, um, all these other avenues opened up. Um, but then I started noticing, well, actually at the end of my, at the end of my, uh, stay there at the hospital is when my, uh, very good friend battle buddy, he was in Iraq with me, took his life. Mm-hmm. Really sucked, man. It was just the hardest thing I've ever, and I still, I, I can't, I really have a hard time coping with it even now. I mean, you should. Yeah. I mean, you know, before I left for the hospital, he was at my house. I mean, I had a bonfire and we just kind of having just great time. And I knew he was going through some troubles and, and, you know, um, but this, re- that, that, that real, that experience in um, my time at the hospital really cemented this desire I have now to, to educate veterans, get, yeah. get the word out of, of how they can be helped and, and treat the, I think the biggest problem was, you know, Jason was just such an awesome guy and he was always in the, he was a comedian and he's just a great guy. You know, you would never think he would take his own life, you know? Um, and it, but it was something small that triggered it. And it was his, it was his wife, you know, deciding that, you know, they wanted to get yeah. divorced. What you're recently, it's been a while since I've even been, but if there's a veteran, listen to this. What are the steps they need to take today or tomorrow 
to get on the path to getting their life back or or helping themselves with through the VA channels, what do we need to do? Dial nine eight eight. Yeah, they've made it so simple. It's not even a number that you have to mem. It's not that uh-huh. long number anymore. They made it so simple. Nine eight eight. You just dial, and that'll start the process. It'll it'll give you free counseling. Yeah, and you can do that through text. You can do it through email, or you can do it through the phone. Um, and it is it is it's it's intended to be a hotline for mm-hmm. suicide, right? Um, but it also this is, remember I told you my wife was making phone calls and connecting the VA yeah. before I went to the hospital. That's what she was calling. She was calling the suicide prevention hotline. That triggers all this assistance that opens up. Okay. So I mean, look at me. I'm, I'm, at this story, I'm, I'm telling you is like I went from zero connection to the VA not in the system or anything like that. And within a year, well, actually within three months, I got full assistance and got put on hundred percent disability, which changed my life, man. I mean, it's just, it just come, it take, it relieves a lot of pressure that we have to be able to focus on improving myself. And then of course being there for my kids, which is just awesome, man. I'm I'm so in love with these kids. (laughs) I, I know that sounds like weird because you're supposed to, but I, I mean, I was so numb to it. I didn't really connect it, but yeah, the first step is really, or, or talking to another vet that like myself, that's yeah. in the system or, you know, um, you know, I'm working at the VFW now, not working, but I'm, uh, I'm on the team there, the board for, as a, the veteran service officer, um, you know, and the VFW hasn't really been known for that sort of, you know, assistance, but yeah they are wide open now. Um, Bill uh, Malone is just kind of turned. I know Bill. Yeah, yeah, he knows you, yeah. Uh, He's really turned that place around. I mean, everybody remembers it being like sawdust on the floor, meth head. Yeah. He's got rid of all that stuff. And he has in there um, the only one of a handful in the, across the entire country of a tele, it's a, it's basically a telehealth office. And it comes in, in like a conics box almost, right? Mm-hmm. So it's about the size of this, but it's got big screen TV. Um, it's got these wonderful cameras, um, uh, and it also has it also has diagnostic equipment in there. So those guys that are can't drive to Tyler or, or Dallas and all that stuff, they can get this done right there in telehealth, and you know, doctors right there and, and can speak to you. Um, it's a brand new facility. I can't. It's just, it's just super cool. That's just one resource that they have. Um, so yeah, and then then the last the the, the other one I would suggest uh, is, is the Texas Veterans Commission. You know, um, some of the other ones like uh, Deva and you know uh, you know Wounded Warriors and all those 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 popular ones that you see on TV. Um, I think they're just they're too overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. You know, they've got way too much business going on. So finding these other non for profits and finding these other like the VFW and American Legion. Yeah. The American Legion gave me, uh, they took me to Walmart. This is before I left for, for the hospital. Took me to Walmart and said, uh, fill up a couple carts, man. Let's get your, let's get your, uh, pantry filled before you leave. You know, and we just, we stacked it full. That's so great. Yeah. It's yeah. And the biggest part about that, Sam was like, all those, all these guys are just, uh, they're not, they're not there kind of like. Uh, I'm trying to think of the word they, 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 you were not embarrassed. I didn't yeah. feel embarrassed the entire time. Man, they're so good at just 
helping you still feel like a man, you know what I mean? And being able to provide for your family, but giving you that hand that mm-hmm. you need to kind of get over this hump. Basically it was anything that took away from my focus of, of, of healing and, mm-hmm. you know, going through therapy, they wanted to remove those obstacles. And then when I got out of the hospital, they wanted to ensure that I could stick with the plan of therapy and school and, you know, uh, I, I can't do a public job anymore. Mm-hmm. I, I used to have a public job and I, I just can't be out in public like that anymore. So um, the cybersecurity plan is a complete re-education for me and going to college is, that's a whole new thing for me again too at my age. Yeah. Um, and, but they're, they're removing all obstacles that keep me from being able to be successful at it. If that makes sense, your your role with the veterans service. What are you veteran? Veteran service officer. So I, I just took this over. Yeah. Um, uh, there's a fellow over. They they have him over. His name's Jim. He uh, he's retiring just from life in general. Yeah. <laughs> he's already retired, but he's he's like I just can't do this anymore. Um, and they cover the gamut of everything from. I mean, suicide is the top of the list for me. Yeah. Because I I just I mean that's why I got that tattoo. Because it's just a reminder. You know, I, I failed, Jason. Like, I just did not see that coming. Mm-hmm. And that's probably the biggest heartache I have. And I, I just don't want that to happen again. You know, so Bill kind of tones me down. He's like, great, but I really want you to focus on fucking wheelchair ramps for guys yeah. that can't get out of their house. Yeah. Or uh, paying the cell phone bill of somebody, you know, who's just down on their luck and they're not in the system yet. But mostly getting people into the system right people like me asking you how do i make contact with this yeah guy yeah, yeah. and what what you're what is available to you because i mean the the goal for me is when i work with any vet um is going to be getting them to 100 mm-hmm. percent. right uh, i mean if i can get 100 percent just on ptsd alone I, I can't i don't see any reason why um you know somebody that you know uh, I don't know, lost their foot. Can't be, I've, I've met guys that have no leg Yeah, and they're like 40%. Like what? Right. How, how right. is that Yeah. even fathomable, right? The, the military yeah. owes you more. One of our you. jokes is like, yeah, my, my disability claim got denied by an, an air force guy at, cause he's at a hundred percent, you know, <laughs> nothing, nothing against air force, but that's it, the, it's a joke, that's the but, truth. but yeah. you know, like you got guys, the guys that are a hundred percent, know how to get it mm-hmm. and the guys that are not don't have a clue right i think all of everybody deserves it yep because, I, I actually don't think there should be it because between. of the the money that you're getting for 100 percent will be fucking sent to ukraine or, or fucking you know <laughs> paying paying for hookers in washington dc <laughs> by a congressman or yeah. something yeah when it should go to the guys that put their it said hey i'm willing to go die for this country and you can send me to the Arabian Sea on a hovercraft to go on the beaches and yeah. go deliver ordnance to Kandahar. I'll do it. Yeah. And that. I've met guys. But that, we mean, need you. I don't know anybody like you yeah. in Athens. Yeah. Or Canton. Yeah. That has this experience that can help. That's what I'm appreciating about you. Thanks for having me here. For You're first welcome. off, because that's exactly what I want to just. I, I'm just taking over this role 
Um, and I, I want I really want to reach out to as many people as I can and get the word out because most people just don't even know that exists. Or they call like my experience, unfortunately, with the local uh, the Henderson County vet rep was, uh, you know, I sent him my DD to 14 on whim. And he's like, you don't have an, enough here to get any disability. OK, so I almost ended up like most of the people I meet that they, they yeah. get denied yeah um i did i mean they get denied and, yeah. and they, they they just move on they figure well i don't really deserve it anyways and well, you do deserve it man. yeah you it, yeah if you are struggling in any way shape or form related to your time in service you absolutely deserve it you you gave them a you gave the military a blank check and they cashed it on your ass you know what i mean you, yeah. <laughs> you do damn right they cash it on you best so now years, it's best years physically of your life yeah, for sure. And, and, and mentally, man. I mean, those are the times where everybody else is, you know, getting out of college and having the time of their lives, right? Um, now, I don't, I don't regret any of it at all. No, it no. was the time of my life. I met the best people I've ever yeah. met, the most honorable people I've ever met in the world. Yes, we're uh, a little crazy and funny. <laughs> like Our humor is just – have you seen that vet TV yeah, uh -huh. I, I have not watched it yet, but I see keep seeing like snippets of it, and I'm like, that is absolutely our humor. Yeah. <laughs> it's not for everyone. It's not for everyone, but uh, but yeah, we missed out on a lot of life, and you know what I mean. And uh, I just I just think we're we're we deserve more. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I'm, my I remember my check as a you know uh, a, a sergeant, <laughs> my pay was something like. Seven hundred dollars every two weeks, mm -hmm. something like that. It was ridiculously low, you know what I mean. And I just, I, it was somebody in the hospital that told me that. He's like, dude, you you wrote a blank check to the government. They cashed it, right? It's time for them to pay that loan back. You know what yeah. I mean? Um, so if, if you're having issues, I mean, most most people don't even know that if you just get ten percent, that opens up a whole ton, a whole bunch of doors for you. Yeah. And almost everybody can get ten percent, mm -hmm. right? Because that hearing. Right, mm -hmm. hearing loss because we nobody had hearing protection, proper hearing protection, in uh, boot camp, yeah. rifle range. You know what I mean? And everybody did the rifle range. Yeah, right? I don't know if the Air Force does. Yeah, pretty sure <laughs> they shoot something, right? Shoot. Slingshot or something? <laughs> no, man, it's the Air Force guys cussing me right now, listening to this. Well, I am not listening to this podcast. <laughs> well, most, well hey, I am not going to listen to this podcast. To defend that. Um, if my kids or any young fella ever asked me like about going in the military, I'm like Marine Corps or Air Force. Yeah, no, 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 no offense to the army. No doubt Air Force. No doubt. <laughs> yeah. It's go, the way to go. You go get a room that has carpet in it. Yeah. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and yeah. I mean some of the craziest combat vets were the Air Force guys. Yeah. Those guys flying the C uh was it C sevens that we were the PJs, the yeah, those guys are yeah, badass. Pararescue. Man. I mean, yeah. there's no doubt the Air Force has some badasses, and I'm yeah. just—it's all good fun, you know. Yeah. Army Navy game is Saturday, you know, <laughs> and I will make so many Navy jokes, and um, of course, nobody knows who's going to win. They beat the shit out of us. We'll beat the crap out of them. Who knows? But it's my favorite football game of the year, and uh, yeah. So, how does do you want people to reach out to you? Absolutely, man. I mean, How does someone get a hold of you? Somebody like me, of course. I know me and your buddies, but so I mean, one of the one of the uh, the, the obvious general public way is like mm -hmm. you know, get down to the VFW, man. 
in Athens. Yeah, get down to it. Go check it out. Bill Malone is the post commander. Post commander. He's the post commander down there. Um, you know, and he's also done a really good job internally of just being, you know, you know, the, the one of the biggest stigmas with the, any VFW is like, oh, it's just a bunch of Vietnam vets that, you know, kind of curse you right when you walk in the door. Yeah. You know, he's really changed that around to to a more supportive um, uh, culture where you know people are more included. You know, they have uh, they have shuffleboard there, which I love, and they also have dollar keystones, which I also love. Um, But Wesley Pruitt, my my buddy, he'll play there. He'll like perform there every once in a while. That's the last time I went was that. But then Tanner and I went for shuffleboard the other day. It's funny we know so many people very well. Yeah, (laughs) except each other. Yeah, (laughs) I'm that, or just call me, dude. My number is eight one seven two six nine eight nine nine eight. Text me, call me, and we can get the ball rolling. But if you don't want to reach out to me, nine eight eight, and I mean that that just opens up the doors. Yeah, right. Nine eight eight. You dial it, option one, and then uh, you get all these. Uh, it, it just triggers a lot with the with the government system. Okay. Well, Chris, thanks for coming on. Yeah, man. <laughs> this was an easy conversation for my first time. I do feel like Will Ferrell, though. I'm like, what do I do with my Yeah. What do I it's do with my It's weird at first, hands? but it's like, <laughs> you know how like me and you really didn't talk before I hit play? Sometimes when we talk before I hit play or record, that all stuff needs to be on here. Yeah. You know, and I think it was easier to talk to you because like if me and you were to had this long conversation before this, like we would have to like rehash stuff that we talked about. But I learned a lot from this and I thank yeah. you and I, I appreciate I, it, man. I'm going to, I'm going to talk to you after this about my personal stuff about helping me because I do need help and, and it's okay. And that help me getting help is going to make me better with my family. Yeah with my in my community and my church or whatever and then you're gonna bless me with that and then maybe i can help somebody else and then save lives and save just marriages and and the whole thing so that's i mean that's the word too is like is is not only uh helping vets but but uh like kind of recruiting them into this yeah right because so that everybody's helping each i mean that's what we need to do right and you're gonna yeah. you're gonna get tons you get tons of i get tons of familiar out of it yeah you know helping other vets and i mean you guys are all my brothers right i think sisters that's and, i think that's maybe the purpose of life right yeah yeah this is where that's what i'm here for yeah, yeah i know it and you're you're uniquely you're, you're you're uniquely gifted with your military background like I said, there's nobody like you. So, like, you're the person for it. Yeah, I think so, man. There's not, I mean, you can't, like, your mom can't do it, you know, or your whatever. It's so. I'm I'm definitely led by God on this whole mission, yeah. man. It's like, uh, you know, when I got out of there, I just really got, I buckled down and really created, got, improved my relationship with God. I don't mean to, get, like, go off in another tangent, hey. but, and like I said, we're ending here. But that, that that's been the key driver for me is just, you know listening to him and following yeah. that direction man that sounds great it, so. that music <laughs> i've been music's, playing for 20 years music's but I, the best now yeah. but now i'm actually really good i'm like yeah. focused on it and i'm not just doing it to get drunk <laughs> yeah well let's talk so chris marholtz thank you sam dean thanks brother and uh it's a good time all right see you later thanks for listening and uh reach out to chris if you need anything dial nine one nine eight eight 
it's just like 911, but 988 for crisis or uh, suicide prevention with the VA. Uh, if you're in Athens, Texas, or Canton, Canton doesn't have a VFW anymore, but the one in Athens is by Lake Athens. It's really great. Uh, look it up on your phone how to get there. Yeah, right. remodeled and all that other great uh, stuff. Bill yeah. Malone's post. He's a really nice guy, Bill Malone. And, uh, of course, Chris is, is out there helping out, too. Um, if you don't reach out to those guys, reach out to me. And um, you get my phone. Like Google my name. My phone number's on the Internet. And uh, 254-449-6721. Uh, and you can, I'm pretty public. You can find me. So thank you so much. This podcast really means a lot to me. So have a great day. Bye.